You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. We are recording this episode um, on the last day, well, in fact, the fourth day of the second test match play between India and South Africa, which uh, India happened to win at the end of the fourth day's play or even before the end of fourth day's play. Uh, this test match was played at uh, Pune. Uh, let me welcome my co-host, Ajit, as always, so we can uh, have a chat about it and uh, several other things, I hope. Hi, Ajit. How is it going for you? Hi, Giri. I'm doing good. Things have been a bit, you know, lackluster, a bit dull, but I'm assuming that's a good thing. Uh, we had a guest and the guests are now back uh, mm-hmm. from where they came. So, <laughs> yeah. And now it's back to the, you know, the mundane for me. Okay. Work, okay. life, other things. Right? Ah, okay. So, how about you? How's the hand healing nicely now? No, no, it's still the same. I guess it needs a bit more time. I need to go back to the doctor and uh, let him have a look. And yeah, as you know, right. it takes a bit of uh, time here. People just don't want to see you, uh, you know, unless it's an emergency. You know how it uh, works here in this country. Right? Well, I mean, it must be just you specifically. But <laughs> I, I, knowing me, I think I crave a lot of attention always. Uh, Maybe. <laughs> this Maybe. could be one of those things anyway. You know, what is it called? Munkhausen, Munkhausen syndrome or something. Well, uh, that's, that's a very serious thing to say. It's a joke, right? Uh, All right. I hope so. Well, uh, so do I, right? <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out. Right, right. So, uh, going on, maybe, you know, let's take a quick look at the second test. So, today is the day when the second test between India and South Africa ended. So, I think it's a right uh, thing to start off our uh, podcast with today. Mm. So, you know, uh, this was a very thorough performance by India. This was a match in Pune where, once again, India won the toss and elected to bat. And, uh, you know, they piled up 601 for five based on Mayank Karwal's uh, 108 and then Pujara made 58, the Kohli 254, and of course, very good contributions from Rahane. And Jadeja missed out on 100. Not, not a lot to write home about in South African bowling. And then uh, South Africa were rumbled twice. So, first they batted and they made 275 in about 106 overs. And surprisingly, Kohli decided to enforce a fall on because they were sort of out at the end of the you know third day. And on the fourth day, they were again all out for 189 with you no know, really not a lot of contributions. So, Fafdi Plessy made 64 in the first innings and uh, Philander and Maharaj showed how to bat for their top order. And 44 by Philander not out and Maharaj 72. But it looks like the top order did not learn the lesson. Again, the same two guys uh, showed how to do it in the second innings. Philander making 37 and Maharaj 22. But uh, yeah, Dean Elgar made 48 as well and Bahuma 38. So, Giri. And of course, Kohli for his uh, magnificent 254 was declared the man of the match. So... Mm. Giri, what are your thoughts? Some nice discussion points here, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, firstly about uh, India beginning well. Uh, and what I mean about mm-hmm. beginning well is winning the toss. I think toss was a very crucial factor here. Right. And if South Africa had won the toss and decided to bat first, it may have looked a bit different uh, because South Africa would then have had the f- first bite of the cherry. Uh, but the crucial mm-hmm. part of the match was how Mayank and Rohit basically uh, started the match, started the uh, uh, batting for India. I think they didn't lose a wicket. 
uh, until like you said about first 45 minutes and then Mayank went on to make a big score yet again so this opening combination seems to be working for India although Rohit had a bit of a failure you have to say after a good start uh, Pujara mm-hmm. looked very good actually I saw him get out uh, live he was looking very fluent he was hitting more boundaries than I saw uh, in his previous innings I think he he had very less runs I think may have been 9 or 10 runs in 40 deliveries and then he started accelerating he even pulled a six uh, of uh, the spinner, I think it was Mutusami, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a good start, uh, Indian batting wise. Um, and then of course, you know, Kohli joined uh, Mayank Agarwal and uh, also stitched a partnership with Rahane and uh, also Jadeja towards the end. Um, Kohli looked very, very immaculate. He was fantastic. It was a joy to watch. Uh, he didn't take any undue risks. Of course, there were some edges which were missing the slip cordon. Uh, once or twice, and mm-hmm. uh, Faf Duplessis looked a bit, uh, you know, sheepish whenever a ball uh, went past him, uh, went past the outside right. edge, and then you know, in between the keeper and uh, the lone slip, or to his right. Uh, and you have to feel for him because I think they were scoring uh, really heavily at that point in time, and then he couldn't set an attacking field, right? So, and Kohli himself was actually dismissed <laughs> of uh, the bowling of Muthuswami. Did you see this live? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I caught the second no ball live, but I heard he had bowled another no ball oh, in the man. over already. Yeah, I think. And then the delivery following that was also a no ball, but the umpire didn't notice that. Anyway, uh, so oh, wow. he bowled a okay. big no ball. There's no doubt in your mind when you see such a big no ball. I think it's way off the line. It almost reminds mm, me of mm. Mohamed Amir, dare I say. But right. anyway. Oops. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, it went off the edge of Kohli's bat and uh, it was caught really nicely by Faf Duplessis in the first leave. And Kohli started walking and the umpire stopped him in his track saying hey let's check the no ball and then well not surprisingly it was a no ball and then they were all joking about it Kohli, Markram, you know Faf Duplessis, Quinton de Kock they were all joking about it because I think Kohli must have said something like uh, you know I gave you a chance you didn't take it <laughs> don't blame me for scoring a big score or something like that and then he went on to score another 50 odd runs he had right. just then you know I think uh, finished his double century and then he scored very quickly the last 50 runs very mm-hmm. very fast and Jadeja also accelerated very well um, so, I think India were then about 490-odd runs for the loss of four wickets. Had Kohli been dismissed at that point in time, maybe India wouldn't have got to 600 as quickly as they did. But then again, you know, if uh, if you look back in hindsight, everything will look uh, different, right? So, well, uh, coming back to another point about the bowling performance, uh, there was a stark difference in how the South African fast bowlers bowled and how the Indian seamers performed. And there are some stats here. Uh, so South African bowlers, you know, combined mm-hmm. the first and the second innings. Well, they only bowled first innings, right? So, so if you consider the number of overs they bowled, it was eighty-one overs, out of which fourteen were maidens. They considered two hundred and fifty-nine runs, and then they picked up only three wickets. I think those three wickets were in fact by Abada, right? The top three wickets of the Indian batsmen. Indeed. Well, uh, in comparison to that, if you look at the Indian bowlers, they bowled 40 overs in the first innings and 22 overs in the second innings. And if you combine them in the 62 overs that they bowled, 13 were maidens and uh, they considered 190 runs while they picked up 10 wickets. Right, So half of the South African batting was consumed by the fast bowlers. So what, a, what an amazing performance by uh, the Indian fast bowlers, you have to say. And you know, I think Kohli's always been a bowler's captain mm-hmm. uh, if you ask me i don't know if, whether whether you agree with that or not but let's come to that in a bit because he fielded three seamers on this occasion and then two uh, spinners so outright five specialist bowlers mm-hmm. uh, because i think he 
he probably thinks his batting is so good or his team's batting as well is so good that they don't need an extra batsman. So, unfortunately, uh, uh, for uh, uh, this guy, what's his name? Uh, Vihari. Right. Who had to sit out this match, unfortunately. Um, but apart from that, I think the bowlers did a very good job. The spinners, of course, uh, did come to the party. Uh, I think we, uh, we we saw what Ashwin did in the first match. Again, he was very uh, proficient. He picked up a think three or four wickets in the first innings and uh, so did Jadeja. So, Indian total team effort, uh, you know, backed by that uh, big century from Kohli and uh, Mayank Agarwal. Yeah. yeah, pretty good summary. 2-0 up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, pretty good summary, I would yeah. say. So, 2-0 up indeed. So, look, um, when it, when, if I were to go back to a couple of things you mentioned at the beginning, what you mm-hmm. had right, you know, the way uh, Pujara played and also the first 45 minutes with what Mayank and Rohit did. You know, this was probably not as Indian a pitch, if I may say, as one could mm. expect. Simply because, yeah, winning a toss was crucial here, but also playing well in the first one and a half hours of first session was really, really crucial, which I think the Indians did right. If the, going into lunch one down was probably a very big victory for them because it was a fairly, you know, even pitch. It was not a very dead pitch, what you normally encounter as far as fast bowlers are concerned. There was still a bit of juice in the pitch and something for the fast bowlers throughout the match, even on the fourth day, right? When we saw people like Umesh Adav and Shami, you know, bending their back and getting a bit out of the pitch. It's, I think, about bowling in the right place on that pitch because, you know, Rabada and Fernand Philander are probably a very good, you know, contrasting example. Rabada fast and Philander is with a skill. And Heinrich Norke, whom South Africa brought in for this match, really, really fast, right? I think he pinged Pujar on the helmet, if I'm not wrong, right? So, it's about bowling in the right place on this pitch. And the other thing you said was also very important because Pujara played at 40 balls in the first, uh, let's say the first 40 balls for just 10 minutes. That was very crucial, I think. Every batsman had to do it unless you came after probably the 50th over by when the ball was old, right? Yeah. So yeah. these were very crucial things. So as important as the toss normally is in India, I would say this is one of those rare cases where I think the batsmen deserve the credit for setting up the innings. So Mayank and Pujara took their time in the first, you know, first half day, even up to T. I think they were a bit slow, but that doesn't matter at all considering how well India accelerated on after T on the second day, for example, right? Yeah. So they made it up and more. That was very easily done. So here again, look, you don't give somebody of Kohli's caliber a lot of chances. So he will make you pay. Mm. So even as Kohli hit out or Kohli was able to keep pace with the run rate. Somebody like Rahane, the 59, the very patient 59 that Rahane came up with was very crucial on the other end because he was able to make sure there were no wickets. So, you know, even though he was scoring at probably 35, you know, runs per 100 balls, it was always going to be better than a new batsman having to come in and take in a lot of balls. Even I remember Jadeja taking like uh, probably for his first 15 runs, taking like 60 balls yeah. or so. That is unheard of for somebody like yeah. Jadeja. Yeah. yeah. But even he had to do it simply because this is that sort of a pitch. It's a good pitch where there's something for the faster bowlers. And you saw it very clearly when the Indian bowlers bowled. So, I think on the third day, at the end of third day, when uh, Temba Bouma came to give the press conferences, I think he highlighted that, that the Indian fast bowlers probably outbowled their South African counterparts. And this pitch was as close to a South African pitch as one could get on the subcontinent. Right? Mm. I mean, it's such a marked contrast because at the end of last episode or in the last episode, I remember making a prediction that India will probably go in with three spinners. Here you are, they're going in with three fast bowlers. Look, so the the curator of the pitch, Mr. Pandurang Salgaukar, had got a lot of stick previously when he had prepared a terrible, terrible sort of a pitch, if one may call that, where it backfired and India lost 
you know, yeah, you had highlighted it last time in that only test in, played in Pune, mm. where Steve O'Keefe took 12 and they really flattened India out, right? This time it's gone to the other end where it's a very stable pitch where even somebody uh, coming from the South African continent is able to clearly say this is a good pitch, right? So that's, that's a credit to the... Mm. Let's say the pitch uh, curator, I would say. This is one thing. The other thing, of course, I think the South African batsmen did not show the application, don't you think, Ray? Absolutely. Absolutely. Look at the top order, mm. how well they did or how badly they performed. Right. The, the centurion from the previous test mm. match, Dean Elgar, he was a failure. Right. Right. Uh, he got a start, I think, in the first innings, but he didn't capitalize. Uh, oh, what, did he get a start? I'm not nah, sure. he's just six. I mean, not exactly a start. Yeah, okay, that's not a start. No, you cannot no. consider that a start. But look at Markram, another failure. I think he he even backed uh, backed a pair. Yeah. Right. He was out for duck in both occasions, yes. uh, both innings. Yes. Uh, and then in the first innings, I think everybody spoke about this. Everybody uh, who has followed South African cricket that Faf Duplessis batted way too low. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so him and Quinton de Kock, you know, resurrected the innings towards the end, uh, but. Yeah, but in the end, it was too little, too late, I would say. Right. And yeah, and I also saw saw this uh, this guy Vernon Philander with the second new ball mm. in the India's first innings, right. uh, just before the day was called off due to bad light. Mm-hmm. So I think they took the new second new ball promptly after 80 overs, and then Vernon Philander was bowling at 180, 120 kilometers per hour. There was no energy from him. Right. Right. And then I saw even Faftuplessy urging Vernon to you know. Uh, to crank it up a bit just to show some application show some energy out there on the field he looks very lethargic sometimes right. i don't know he's probably switched off i think on that day and then the other occasion i saw kahis or abada you know yelling at uh, quinton de Kock, yeah. and they had a verbal altercation on the field <laughs> it was quite funny i think the indian batsmen probably would have been amused to see that the, the teammates were fighting amongst each other but not really a physical fight but they were hurling abuses at each other and that's not a good sign uh, if you uh, are a team and uh, you know, you, you, you have to support each other when you're playing uh, together as a team. So, it's very, it's very strange uh, that such a thing happened. They were also crumbling down. I think the Indian batsmen re- did really well. They mm. made South Africa sweat it out. They were really tired. I think physically and mentally they were drained. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think that basically shows you and even like uh, Temba Bahuma admitted so candidly in that interview mm, mm. that uh, the tail-enders or the lower order batsmen, if you can call uh, Keshav Maharaj and Philander that, right. they showed how to bat on this pitch. So, if the ball was 40 plus overs old, it became soft and it was, you know, much more difficult to get out, basically. So, you just had to apply yourself and stay that long, which is what all Indian batsmen did. Everybody got a start. They stayed long enough to, con- you know, convert that into a bigger innings, uh, barring uh, Rohit Sharma, right? So, so they 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 can learn a thing or two from uh, this performance for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I mean, you know, as, as the 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 other interesting fact here is that uh, Kohli uh, has thirty wins in fifty tests. Right. Uh, you know, after this series victory, mm-hmm. what do you think about that? Well, I mean, this is a very good point. You know, for Kohli, he is right uh, now. I think he's up there with the best. Right. I mean, mm. uh, we see on this list of captains, we see probably there are five other captains. Uh, who have played more tests, of course, who have more wins than him, right? And the way he's going um, and uh, the way, you know, if he remains injury-free, he has a, every chance of probably overtaking people like, um, you know, mm-hmm. Clive Lloyd or, uh, you know, even uh, Steve Vaughan, maybe even Ricky Ponting, right, with the number of test wins. Of course, Graham Smith looks a bit tough because 53 wins, it's going to mean Kohli has to captain probably 80 tests, which looks a bit tough, but we don't know, right? It's still possible. 
and he has a win loss ratio of 3 which is probably you know there are very few captains with the same win loss ratio or better than him right there are a few who with the same win loss ratio but only two people stand out who have better win loss ratio than him one is steve wood other is mike brelly right mm-hmm. so steve wood probably was the best when it comes to this sort of tactics and you know leading a team getting the best out of the team but cole is not that sort of a captain but he still has a very good team so you know they say ponting inherited this very good team from wood therefore he has such a good record but kohli already built a team around him that is so good that he has a bunch of people who are really performing at their best look at this fast bowling attack look at the spinners i mean i was tweeting earlier the other day saying that this is a rare indian team because it has fangs both with spin and pace and pacers are winning you matches on home conditions that's very rare right when it comes to an indian team so that's fantastic i mean uh, previously we were reading you know shami took a second innings um, fifer in the last test match and before that the last time an indian fast bowler took a fifer in the fourth innings of a test was in 1996 with jogal shinath right <laughs> so it was fantastic so this shows how far and how well this team is performing you have the top order batsmen clicking and everything so you know if it goes well maybe at the end of the uh, first world test championship we'll get to see how good kohli is and how far he has come because he would have 10 or 12 more tests to add to this and maybe after 60 tests he's uh, he's he would become the easily the most uh, capped test captain or the captain with the most number of matches captain so he'll overtake dhoni if he crosses 60 but then mm. that would be a good point to stop and then take stock again because we are already acknowledging he has a win loss ratio of 3 which is very good maybe then he'll probably have a better one and maybe he has a chance to go further from there or take the likes of you know ponting or even you know we'll see how that goes so that's a very good thing for us to look forward to and it also shows kohli is a good leader when it comes to test match cricket and for yeah. sure he's also a good let's say he's built a good team around him and they know what to do and when with the right kind of input he's also able to take the right decisions in tests mm-hmm. so his 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 uh, decision to enforce a follow on is a very good one yeah. you know we do forget how many times he has done it can you tell me when was the last time india enforced a follow on giri i can't remember one from the recent past do you it's actually fairly recent it was exactly a year ago more or less to the week it was uh, the test match that started on october 4th of last year when india played uh, west indies at home uh, and the time before that was when india played afghanistan this was not kohli but this was still india doing it it was rahane okay in, in afghanistan it was a bit easy because they were bowled out in like a session and a bit so yeah, yeah. but still sensing that the opposition is down yeah. right he was able to enforce the follow on and look they crumbled again it was not like they stone rolled for two days and made sure yeah. the bowlers got so tired that they would underperform in the upcoming test which is what usually you expect right yeah, yeah. even if you're losing a test match you play long enough to make sure the opposition bowlers are really tired going into the following test yeah they couldn't yeah. do that they were bowled out uh, around t right so mm. that shows his his ploy worked Yeah, right. Sanjay Manjrekar, you know, Sanjay Manjrekar made a comment on air. He, I think he summed it up quite succinctly. Mm. He said Kohli mm-hmm. uh, enforcing the following was more like a predator going for the jugular vein, you know, going right. for the kill basically. Mm. So I think uh, it it's uh, it's even though his bowlers bowled 100 plus overs because it was right. at the end of the day, right? So on the end of third mm. day, mm. so the bowlers got a night's rest. so they could come back and then at some point in time you know i i managed to catch up with the match uh, must have been this morning uh, in one mm. of the sessions i saw the over rate the over rate was amazingly 20 overs when india were bowling with two spinners good god good god <laughs> 20 right. overs per hour can you imagine that right. amazing right. but 
but anyway um but what do you think about the the last test match uh, who is coming in who is going out well i mean if you were to look at those things i think we have seen that maharaj has been injured out because yeah. he fell on his shoulder awkwardly yeah. right and i think he's tired bowling 50 overs each innings <laughs> that would be the other oh, thing and uh, i think george linda the you know left arm orthodox spinner will probably come into the team and uh, well we don't know if this means dan pete comes back into the equation and maybe he plays with uh, muthuswami or Uh, maybe they go in with like for like replacement just have maharaj replacement george linda directly coming in mm-hmm. and of course there is also the possibility mm-hmm. that you know uh, george linda uh, may take the place and dan pit may play ahead of both swami all three options are possible mm-hmm. you know that previously the last test match in ranchi was a high scoring draw but it was a tough match because mm-hmm. i think uh, che pujara really dug in and took a whole day out almost mm-hmm. by himself sort of a situation so i think this requires five bowlers this looks like a five bowler pitch so i don't see really south africa playing uh, mm-hmm. you know four quicks because i think i also read that lungi angedi was injured so i would say it'll be two spinners and my pick will be george linda and dane peat and muthuswami to sit out right no that's a bit and, harsh that's a bit harsh it seems a bit harsh but look he didn't do much in this test match either no but he ball. batted well he batted okay muthuswami yeah I mean, then you have did. to drop markram if you ask me Makram will get a bit longer run, but I think Theonis De Bruyne may face the chop here, right? Hamza may come in. Uh, Makram is sort of also earmarked as one of the people in the leadership group. So with that in mind, even though Theonis De Bruyne made thirty, he may have to sit out. It does seem a bit harsh on him. But uh, either they will retain the same top order if they want to be a bit conservative. But if they want to go for a bit of a more uh, radical change probably hamza will come into this lineup this is definite hmm. and i would expect theonis de brown would be unlucky because both uh, temba bahuma and makram are sort of earmarked uh, in the leadership group in the upcoming let's say years <laughs> leadership group i like that <laughs> yes <laughs> reminds yes. me of something yeah anyway all right right yeah. so the other thing look you were saying something just to wrap that point up did yeah. graham smith have anything to say about why vernon flender was not bowling very fast at the end of the first day Uh, did I? Did I say something like that? No, no, I'm asking. So did Graham Smith say anything? Did Graham Smith? No. Yes. <laughs> no. No, I don't know. I think Graham Smith was the captain that set Vernon Philander up to be who he was, right? Uh-huh. And he felt occasionally you have to go give Vernon Philander yeah. a kick up his backside. <laughs> he so he sort of can be a bit, you know, he can lose that energy or he can suddenly go into himself. Yeah. You need a captain who is to go maybe say a, uh, something a bit uh, energetic and something a bit even a bit harsh to him. Uh, yeah. What happens is this can happen to all fast bowlers knowing that you know the day is coming to an end and you have probably three good overs. Mm. Some bowlers will say come on I have three overs I want to give my all and maybe I'll take one wicket here maybe two yeah. you know. Some bowlers say you know what tomorrow morning if I just get through tonight the ball will still be new. Yeah. i can come in and do my best tomorrow morning so <laughs> vernon philander it looks like maybe might be the latter you know i might be reading yeah. the situation wrong but if the captain goes and gives him something in his ear maybe he'll give you two or three good overs and maybe you get a wicket there just a point no but it, on this occasion it was not faf uh, talking to him directly it was faf telling uh, dinelgar who was fielding at mid off to have a word with philander right right, right. <laughs> so it was not uh, like that and the other guy i can remember who needs a kick up his backside Mm-hmm. Uh, you know Shannon Gabriel all oh, right <laughs> oh yeah he's one of those the other guys <laughs> uh, when uh, with both gabriel and uh, firlander you'll want to be a bit careful they're big people they're big guys 
<laughs> you know he's called big burn for a reason you know he might be appearing a bit short but he looks solid same with gabriel gabriel is also big yeah yeah Now, whether you're you're a holder you might get away with it right mm. Hmm. but uh, i mean hold the 68 but if i don't know if tomorrow temba bahuma is a captain i don't know how it will work but yeah oh. we'll park that when those things happen right yeah right going further what is your prediction giri so india will take the third test as well um yes i think so unless it's going to be one of those dead pitches uh, like mm-hmm. the one we had last time around in ranchi i hope it's not going to be like that i, I hope it, there is some life in it and then both the batsmen and the bowlers uh, have some role to play Mm-hmm. uh but i think it's fully advantage india um india will pick it up i think now i expect south africa to come hard man i expect they'll want to salvage something from this tour not at least the points on offer right yeah yeah for yeah. the world test championship so yeah. only thing do you see any change for the indian cricket team i sort of highlighted the changes from the south african team but india kohli never keeps the same team right yeah he he can chop and change of course but uh, i think we were talking about this offline as well i think umesh yadav should be given another go he doesn't mm-hmm. get a lot of chances so he should be retained right uh, shami should should and will stay right uh, he's uh, the you know uh, he bowls so well with the old ball mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and then the spinners will stay ashwin and uh, uh, jadeja right uh, and maybe bring in another spinner i'm mm. hoping they bring in a wrist spinner because i think right. the wrist, a wrist spinner can do a lot with an older ball than uh, a finger spinner can i, I right. know you, you bowl leg spin so i think you you can relate to this probably so with if the ball gets so soft after 40 overs then uh, mm. the wrist spinner can extract a bit more than uh, the finger spinner so maybe bring in somebody like kuldeep so you say ishant will miss out maybe uh yeah unfortunately yes all right i think uh, this is a call they'll take on the morning of the test and it it does look like a five bowler pitch indeed at least when i look mm-hmm. at what it was previously but we got pune wrong completely so i'd be very curious how oh, you got go. pune wrong you got uh, pune wrong i said umesh yadav will play <laughs> i got i got pune wrong nicely pointed out but yes so in that case i would wait and watch you know considering what pune pitched oh. it maybe it will also throw us a curve ball right let's see come on come on just spell it out I I would say three I would say three spinners and uh, Ishan Sharma will sit out. This is my prediction. Ah, okay. It's a five bowler okay. pitch. Okay. Okay. Now we don't have Hardik Pandya. If Hardik Pandya were to play, you would get that balance. He's not there, right? Then you would trust your Jadeja and Ashwin to score your runs. So then it will yeah. be a five bowler. I'll bring in uh, Vijay Shankar. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, out of the blue, out of wherever you call it. I, I don't know what he's doing these days. I think he's playing in the Vijay Hazara Trophy. So maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Give him a go. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Anyway, hey, yeah. he's still 3D, right? Let's see, let's see. <laughs> oh yeah, right. let's not get there. No. All right, going further. Uh, the Indian uh, women and South Africa women are continuing with the ongoing series, and now they are playing the ODI series, ODI ODI leg of the series, if I may say. And uh, two matches were played out, right? So, uh, in the f- both of these were played in uh, Vadodara, right, or Baroda. So, and um, it looks like an India leading two nil after two matches. So, in the first match. India were able to bowl first and restrict South Africa to 164, which they chased down with ease. And in the second match, South Africa again batted first, but they put up a much better score and they made 247. But in this case, India chased it down again with comfortable ease or relative ease. Let me put it like that. And um, in this case, it came as a bit of a surprise that the this is the highest total chase by the Indian women's team. The 248 that they made to win the second ODI is the highest chase that they have achieved. So it's a nicely done thing and. 
Harman Preet Kaur, who came uh, with a little bit of, uh, you know, more than an ball situation, made sure with her T20 skills that it was not going to be a problem. Uh, that's nice to see that, you know, in the women's cricket, the the gap between Australia and the rest is quite, quite wide. So, it, the other teams have to do a lot to catch up. So, it's good to see this Indian team doing well, that they're able to pick up this difference, right? All right. Going further, uh, the third match of the Pakistan versus Sri Lanka T20 was played in the last week as well. It was played on 9th. And, uh, you know, this was, this this took an unexpected turn. So, previously, I had, I think, expressed a, uh, at least a hope that Pakistan will be able to come back and uh, win so that, you know, they take, uh, they give the series 2-1. But Sri Lanka really played well. They played out of their skins and they were able to win the third one as well. So, for the first time since 2000, any team was able to take a whitewash series out of Pakistan, right? So, this was the first time since 2000 and uh, Sri Lanka, this so-called, you know, the less strong Sri Lanka team was able to do that. So, Oshada Fernando was given a debut and this guy is somewhat special. He also did something special with his test match debut, if I'm not wrong. So, he scored a very, very tough 78 out of 48, right? And then... um, they were only able to come to 147, which is not a very challenging score in T20 these days, but um, they pulled really, really well. So, even though they lost a wicket uh, very soon, Fakhar Zaman was dismissed uh, very soon by Kasun Rajita, I think. Uh, in fact, the very first ball of Phoenix. But then, Babar Azam and Sohel steadied the ship, but then they let the run rate creep up past them. And by the time uh, Babar Azam was dismissed and then Hari Sohel and Safraz Ahmed and a couple of other batsmen really couldn't make it... Uh, make it uh, to the end. So, they failed by about 13 runs. So, this was this game was a bit of a surprise as well. So, Sri Lanka took the series 3-0 and interestingly, Gunatilaka was asked uh, upon landing in Colombo whether uh, they were happy and he said, yeah, don't call us the Sri Lanka A team anymore or the mm. less strong Sri Lanka team. We beat the world champions or the number one team in T20 is 3-0, right? So, give us the credit. So, that was nicely said of him as well. So, I think there are some tough questions Pakistan will have to answer leading up to the T20, T20, uh, T20 World Cup in 2020 in Australia. So, they'll look to sort it out. Going further, so if you look at some of the news from outside the cricketing field, right? there are some interesting shenanigans going on in BCCI. So, first of all, uh, the Tamil Nadu Cricket Association, Maharashtra Cricket Association and uh, Haryana's Cricket mm-hmm. Association has been uh, banned from participating in the BCCI elections because of one technical reason or the other. Uh, but following that, just in the heels of that, a very big breaking news has come up, Giri. Just uh, in the last hour or so, Giri. What is the news? Well, uh, Dada will become the new BCCI president, if I read it right. So, Saurav Ganguly. Indeed. The current uh, mm-hmm. Bengal Cricket Association chairman is going to become the uh, BCCI president. Um, that's a big news, right? I mean, uh, the, I think that it, Indeed. Indeed. maybe hours before this... There was an announcement made that Brijesh Patel would actually be the BCCI president. And now it's been reversed. It's been mm-hmm. changed. And uh, Ganguly has been uh, yeah, touted in as his replacement or as the new president. So, uh, I don't know what's going on over there. But uh, it's it's a big announcement. And uh, wow, that's... Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm spellbound. I don't have words to uh, describe what has happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic. I mean, if you were to just look at it in black and white and not look at the bigger picture, so to say. It's a good thing, right? Somebody who's always had a, you know, a good leadership role within Indian cricket is also touted to be the next BCCA chief, Ganguly, is a good standing in international community, cricket community. All this is very nice, right? 
so it's probably you see machinations behind the scene to sort of keep the enshrinivasan group lobby group mm-hmm. outside so brijesh patel was backed by enshrinivasan so he's been left out in the cold and uh, ganguly who's backed by jagmohan dalmia the the erstwhile uh, mm-hmm. chairman and heavy uh, uh, now yeah. uh, who's yeah. no, no more right heavy weight mr jagmohan dalmia ganguly was his pick and rightly he was picked him right so it looks like the the all the other people have thrown their weight behind the, this camp so it's beat uh, you know amit shah san jaisha or uh, dhumal who was the brother of uh, anurag thakur all of these people they have uh, thrown their weight behind uh, ganguly and so he's gotten enough of clout now to take over as the bcci chairman look uh, our president so the only thing that concerns me a little is um it has it come a bit too early in his uh, political career in the political creating career so to say kiri for ganguly um I don't think so. I don't think so. I think he hmm. is well within his right and he, I think he is fully qualified. Of course there is a learning curve as well. Right. And he has been the captain of Indian yeah. team, right? He's a captain of a cricket team, an international cricket team like you've always said to me uh, off air. He's like a diplomat. Hmm. He knows how to handle people. Right. So he's a good people manager and he knows how to you know uh, handle things when there are issues. Uh, and he has also been uh, cricket association Bengal chairman. um he has been working as a mentor he knows how to work with people and people in administration so um he he's is is a good choice uh, if you ask me um so 47 he probably has more energy than the other people of course maybe less experience uh maybe uh he had to spend a few more years uh, in uh, in the lower rung maybe but i think he has enough um let's say acumen to uh, decorate this position and do well in his uh, in this new role um mm-hmm. so yeah and talking about brijesh patel i think brijesh patel might actually become the chairman of ipl so i think that could be his uh, new role instead of bcci presidency yeah so it's been given as a consolation prize possibly <laughs> yeah oh nobody likes that anyway we wish ganguly indeed if he were to be the next bcci chairman we really wish him all the best oh. and uh, going further you know he's able to bring the same Uh, refreshing change that he brought to the indian captaincy yeah. the changes that indian team were able to undergo i hope he does the same for the administration yeah right yeah so let's see how that unfolds in the upcoming weeks yeah and um, going further anil kumble has been appointed as the kings 11 punjab coach head coach mm-hmm. right almost like a director of cricket as far as i am concerned mm-hmm. did you see this news kiri yeah only read it on cricket for but yeah they have changed their coach every year in the last 5 years and the highest yeah, they have finished yeah. on the table was fifth and that was under Virendra Sehwag, right? Well, um, sometimes the Jamaican approach helps, right? Jamaican approach, you know what that is? The Jamaican approach to managership? No. Wait it out, the problem will go away. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it's a very simplistic way of saying that. It's, it's about rearranging your priorities and making sure you do everything that is important for you. Hmm. And whatever else that is not important for you will organize itself until the next important thing comes to you. that's how it's supposed to be taken as mm-hmm. but anyway the thing is um i see one thing here kumble taking over will he's a more process oriented person right mm. so we might not see the results directly in the first season but i would really love to see it but maybe you know this means a change for the team going further and we might see the changes in the two or three seasons even mm. i mean i'm going to sound a bit uh, you know outlandish probably but this indian team is sort of reaping many benefits the indian team the indian national team that he set up many things in play and in motion and now we are seeing the benefit of all of that at least i would like to say mm. right so maybe this is how you can look at it 
and if he should be given a longer run and of course i think there were also a couple of weeks we heard these rumors that ashwin's um, contract might be bought out by uh, delhi capitals from kings 11 punjab right so mm. i think kings 11 punjab were not happy with ashwin's captaincy and they were thinking of uh, not making him the captain from next season and so on and so on right mm-hmm. some of these things might be revisited some of these decisions might be revisited given that kumbhre brings a different mindset and a different thought process so i'm very curious to see how that unfolds yeah headmaster right. <laughs> ah, that's a yeah is a very strict one yeah. I know. A bit strict one. All right. But look, he, he's, he has proven uh, pedigree both as a player and I'm thinking also as a coach. We'll see yeah. how that goes. But I think right. the other thing is, uh, I heard something uh-huh. that I think it must have been Brad Hodge. Uh, he hmm. says, uh, IPL, you know, coaching tenures are very difficult or very stressful. And uh, if you're not, if you don't bring the results that they would like to see, then they're yeah, you immediately, you know, fired basically. So it's, it's, you have to bring the results in. Otherwise you're fired. and i hope you know that yeah, kumbhre yeah, gets yeah. a longer run right i mean I, this can happen that after one uh, uh, one one season he is uh, you know uh, sent home because the results didn't uh, match the expectations but anyway let's see what happens there look it's we see this in footballing uh, teams across the premier leagues in the world everywhere right so yeah. the owners are a bit more ruthless because it's run as a business not as a just as a sporting team right mm-hmm. it's more than a sporting team it's a sporting team and a business so in yeah. this case if anybody kumble has a stature to probably ask some of those people to take it easy for a little bit of time so mm. maybe it might benefit you know that uh, he might get a longer run let's see mm. right mm. going further um well the future of zimbabwe cricket is going to be decided in one of the upcoming icc meetings there's a meeting in the upcoming week if i'm not wrong and uh, if you remember zimbabwe's cricket uh, administration had been suspended by the government and icc had suspended zimbabwe cricket because of that we know as a you know as a result they are now not going to be able to play in the qualifiers uh, in uh, end of october for the t20 and nigeria have taken their uh, place right and whether they'll be a part of icc and whether you know the funding from icc will come through all of these things are important things that are at stake as far as zimbabwe cricket is concerned they have claimed they have brought back the entire board and so on and so on so whether icc will heed to it and whether they'll go their own way it's going to be curious but i really hope if anything they're still given the chance to uh, go ahead rather than being shunned or rather than being uh, uh, taken away from icc i'm really hoping in spite of whatever the conditions they are i really hope they continue to be a part of international cricket and uh, you know they get to show their uh, cricketing skills right going further uh, natalie siver and katherine brunt the two english uh, women cricketers have announced an engagement so uh, we wish them uh, congratulations and all the best going forward because this is the third uh, such high profile couple right so we know that uh, marizan kapp and uh, i think uh, dane van neker from south africa is one and then new zealand's emi uh, satterthwaite and uh, lia tuhu these three uh, are, will be the let's say uh, role models to the lgbtq community out there also they are uh, very good sporting role models so it's a very nice thing to see all of these things coming through right another small thing um, cricket australia has announced a 12 month paid leave policy for the women cricketers and also with a support plan for men cricketers or mm-hmm. the spouses who who will be not uh, really pregnant but who can support so this is very nice so you know 3 weeks of uh, partner uh, support and 12 months of paid leave for the actual person who's pregnant so that's great mm-hmm. great so this is more of corporate culture and more of modern day acceptance of how things should be done being also brought into cricket and cricket uh, 
let's say planning so that's fantastic to see and i hope other boards can learn from it and take it forward right uh, going forward we saw that barbados tridents yesterday night clinched the cpl 2019 under the leadership of jason holder and guyana who are really doing so so well who had won 11 matches in a row coming into the final losing out again to be the bridesmaids this sort of i, I must say broke my heart Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you saw this match, Giri. Uh, were you able to catch it? No, no, it was no. in the midnight. No, maybe. unfortunately okay. not. <laughs> I had other things to do. No, nah, I mean, <laughs> of course, like, like sleep. Yeah. I can imagine, <laughs> right? But in this case, you know, uh, this was a rare match where uh, a team coming off eleven match winning streak. You really hope they're able to convert it. Uh, that they're able to dig deep and win. Unfortunately, they weren't. And on that day, the Barbados team was so so strong, and they showed why. they showed why they were deserving to win they once or twice stumbled while setting up a chase but they always recovered and they came to a total that was daunting enough that you know they fell about 20 odd runs short guyana in the end and that was well done to barbados and i think good luck to guyana going forward again in the next year they come back and they try right uh, the last piece of news that we would like to quickly discuss of course is did you see mitch marsh mitch marsh the south african all rounder uh, sorry australian all rounder is trying his best to emulate ben stokes Uh, well, <laughs> I I wasn't there in the dressing room when this happened. <laughs> so apparently, he tried ah, uh, right. you know, breaking down a wall with his uh, bare hands, right? So, and he injured his mm-hmm. hand uh, after a Sheffield Shield match, right? right? So, or during a Sheffield mm-hmm. Shield match. So, um, so he's probably too frustrated uh, and wants to be uh, in the reckoning for the next um, series that Australia play. uh probably against pakistan mm-hmm. right who do australia play right? right. think, yeah. yes at indeed. home right so he wants to be in the reckoning and he wants to make a contribution uh, leading up to that so that he's considered for the team uh, probably putting mm-hmm. too much pressure on himself uh, and and emulating ben stokes in a different way right also probably right. visavi i think he, he ben stokes also had a similar issue uh, in the past right so uh, and i've heard of people you know break their bats <laughs> like Quinton de Kock did mm-hmm. must have been his 130 ODI right. I think last year or earlier this year when uh, he got out and then he broke his back um so this happens uh, you know sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, yeah he needs to ad- address this in a different way maybe cool it a bit do something else like practice boxing mm, well i mean that that would be a good idea that would be a good idea to you know take out some of the heat but i think he used the wrong part of his anatomy i heard he has a very big head he's called buffalo <laughs> oh, no 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 That's hippo i think hippo no, no, no. i think it's buffalo because i think he has a very str- big and a very strong head as they say he should have just charged uh, the wall and that could have solved most of the issues but i mean even knock some sense into him i mean i'm going to sound a bit callous when i say that there is concussion injury and we are dealing with the aftermath of those things you know it's not a joke but he could be a, he could be the exception after all he has such a strong head right yeah, i think so okay well i mean never mind never mind but i we really hope you know he recover soon and if anything he's lost a opportunity to take the next 15 days or one month or whatever it will cost him in injury time to actually impress the selectors and be on the starting 11 for um, you know the pakistan tests i think he just missed out an opportunity but these things happen in the heat of the moment and it's unfortunate but yeah let's see mm. right and um, well now let's go on to the trivia section so the trivia question from the last episode was who is the only indian to be out stumped twice in a test right and also i had uh, sort of mentioned it will be nice to see how often this has happened in tests overall right so 
Rohit has answered both the questions. So the right answer is your Rohit Sharma. The first test versus South Africa, he was stumped twice, right? And so far, there have been 22 instances of this happening. So it's uh, Rohit Sharma was the 22nd instance, and of course, the first Indian, right, to whom this happened. Mm-hmm. There are some very prestigious names here: Monkey Hornby. Now, if you look at this list, there's Wally Hammond, there is Huey Tayfield, there is Frank Worrell, right? Bert Sutcliffe, Jeffrey Dujon, some very big names on this list to have been stumped twice in a test. So, uh, Rohit Sharma joins a very um, august list, I might add. But, of course, he has comfortably the highest total on this list. So, uh, the sum total of runs he has made, uh, 303 before he, uh, be getting out uh, stumped twice, is comfortably the highest. So, there he has done really well. So the trivia question for this episode is, what is the highest score by an Indian captain batting in tests? Right. If you have been following the events very closely recently, I think you know the answer. So do write in to us. You could uh, write in to us using social media platforms like Twitter at armchaircritpod or using our Facebook page. Or you could write in to us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You could also you know, write in to us not only with the trivia answer, but also with any thoughts uh, you may have. You could also get in touch with us on Twitter during a match, mostly we are on there and with some banter and stuff, right? It'll be very nice. It will always encourage us. No matter which platform you're using to listen to us, try to take a moment to give us a five-star rating. It's very useful for us and it's also very encouraging, right? There's plenty of tests and, you know, plenty of... Now the Southern Hemisphere cricketing season is kicking off. The Indian domestic season is kicking off. Pakistan's domestic season is ongoing. And of course, the last test between India and South Africa top. Look forward to plenty of things to discuss for us in the upcoming episode so i really hope you guys you guys are going to be tuned in right having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast